0: Today is Easter. Um, It is arguably, maybe not arguably, the greatest day in human history, the greatest event that the world has ever known. Whether you know it or not, the imprint and the impact of this day is written all over our lives. Every time you pick up your cell phone and you look at the date, when you look at that date, 2016, time is marked and history is marked by how many years it's been since the Life of this man who rose from the dead. Every time you gather on a Sunday to worship, you are reflecting and testifying to the reality of the resurrection. The long-held tradition for thousands of years was that the day of worship would be on Saturday. Only something so world-changing could alter the day of worship for people who are so deeply steeped in custom What could possibly have happened that changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday? It's the message of Easter. Easter happened, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, bursting through the tomb with life and victory. Every time you go to Chick-fil-A, you've got a hankering for Chick-fil-A, and you realize that it's closed because it's a Sunday, You're reflecting and you're understanding the reality of the resurrection that the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, gave all his workers Sunday off in honor of the resurrection in order that they might go and worship according to whatever religion they want to worship. But it's testifying to the fact that on the third day, from the day that Jesus Christ was crucified, he rose again from the dead. This is the greatest day in history, But what is it that changes today from being just a day that we celebrate, that we remember, that we come to church? What's the difference between that kind of a day and a day that impacts all of our lives at a personal level? I want to give you uh, three thoughts from Mark. The Gospel of Mark chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 8. If you carry your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, it will be written on the screen. But Mark 16, verses 1 through 8, was one of the earliest accounts of the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we see this, we realize the impact and the importance of this event. 2,000 years later, after the fact, all over the world, billions of people are gathering to remember this day. What is it about this day, and what is it that invites us not only to be here today, but invites us into uh, the power of the resurrection as it was experienced that first day. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8, this is the Word of God. It says that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And this is how the Gospel of Mark ends. There are other verses that follow that the original manuscripts didn't have. But it's kind of like Mark, the gospel writer, leaves this hanging in the balance. Women are are fearful. They're afraid. They're bewildered. They don't know what to think of it. And the invitation given to us through 2,000 years is what will you do now with the fact of the empty tomb? What are you going to do with it? It's an invitation not only to the original readers but to all of us to say what will you do with the fact that the tomb is empty, the stone is rolled away. What are you going to do? Few years back, maybe about three, four years ago, one of our one of our uh, sisters, our members, Lynette Thomas, um, after Easter service, we had a picnic just as we'll have today. She went on social media and she told all of her friends, and she was saying to anyone who had listened, said, "This is the best Easter ever, it's the best Easter of my life." And when pressed upon her, why, Lynette, is this so great? She said, "Because I finally understand what it means. Because I finally understand what it means that the tomb was empty." and that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And my hope, my prayer, is that today would be not only for the countless people around the globe who will celebrate today as a holiday or historical event, but that for all of us in here, today would indeed be one of the greatest days of our lives because we understand the importance and the reality of what happened 2,000 years ago outside of a tomb in Jerusalem. What is it that changes today from being a day Simply a holiday with bunnies and eggs. To some people, that's what Easter is. To other people, it's just a historical event where we can name the facts. On the Friday, Jesus was, was, uh, he was arrested. He was unjustly tried. He was crucified. He was buried on Saturday. And then on the third day, according to the way the Jewish people count, Friday the first day, Saturday the second day. On the third day, Sunday, the disciples went to the tomb and they found it empty. He rose again. Some people see it merely as a bunch of historical facts that we can recite back, but the, because the great majority of Americans are not affected in a personal way by what happened on Easter Sunday. But I want to give us words as an invitation the invitation of Jesus to all of us to come and to see and to experience. The power of the resurrection today, personally, in our own lives. What is it that Jesus invites us to? What is it that Easter invites us to? Three thoughts here. The first thought, that Easter is an invitation to come as we are. It's just to come as you are. I have a friend in, in uh, Southern Cal in Los Angeles, down, outside of downtown, there's a city called Culver City. I don't know if you've been there. My friend, uh, a year ago today, a year ago, Easter Sunday, started a church out there after having moved from, uh, from the D.C. area. He started a church in Culver City, which is about seven miles from Hollywood, so he gets a lot of Hollywood types uh, at his church. Some famous people, I don't want to drop names, so I won't, but he gets some of these people at his church, and I asked him after having been in D.C. for a while, after growing up in Chicago and then now living on the West Coast in LA, what's the difference that you see between people on the East Coast and West Coast? And he said, I can't speak for everyone in the West Coast, obviously, but one thing that I know in downtown LA, in the heart of Entertainment District, he says, we are a bug light for dreamers. People come to Hollywood with dreams of making it big, of proving somebody wrong, of becoming famous, of being a star, so we've got dreamers all over our church, And then he goes on to say, but because of the number of dreamers that there are, there are so many broken dreams. And in that place of broken dreams, people medicate that in whatever way they can, with drugs, with sex, with alcohol, with just whatever it takes in order to cope with the baggage that they deal with and the brokenness of their hearts. And he said, D.L., you know, the reality, people are people, hearts are hearts, the experiences of humanity are all the same, we're broken people. It's just whether we show that as we do in L.A. or we cover it as we do on the East Coast, the reality is we're all broken people. The reality of me being an East Coaster through and through is that I'm a broken person who does a very good job at covering the brokenness and the pain and the hurt and the baggage in my life. I don't know if you're a West Coaster who lives overtly your brokenness, or you're an East Coaster who lives out to cover up your brokenness. The reality is that it's there. And the great reality is that Easter, the first Easter, was not for people who were well-dressed and beautiful and smiling, like many of us are today. In fact, that first Easter was an Easter for people whose dreams had been broken. It was for people whose hope, all of their hope for a better life, had died two days ago on a cross. It was a day of discouragement, a day of brokenness, a day of pain, a day, most of all, of death, death of a friend, death of a hope, death of a dream. A lot of times I think we come to church, we come to God thinking that we've got to have it all together. We've got to be all cleaned up. I'll start coming back to church, you say, when my life gets in order. I'll start coming back to church when I get rid of this addiction. I'll start praying again when my life is all put together. It's kind of like this idea, I don't think any of us would do this, but that we have to wash our clothes and iron them before we take them to a dry cleaner. Or we need to clean up our house, spick and span, before the maid comes to our house. As Silly as that idea is, the Easter message is it's just as silly to think that we need to come any way than just as we are before God. The people that Easter Sunday were so broken and so hurting and so confused. In fact, the only thing they wanted to do that Easter morning, the only thing they wanted to do was pay their final respects to the Jesus that they loved and to anoint his body with perfume. And so they're walking on the boulevard of broken dreams, getting to that place of that tomb. But they forgot one thing. In the midst of all of this confusion, they remembered that there was a massive stone that would be placed in front of every tomb in order to protect it from not only animals, but prevent it from grave robbers. And in front of the tomb, there would be this big groove, this indentation. And so a few people could roll a stone into that groove, but to take a stone out of that groove would be nearly impossible. And so amongst all the questions that they've got, verse 3 tells us, the question they asked each other was, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to do this? The see, Easter is a time for people who have questions, who have doubts, who have fears, who have failures, who've lost everything, who feel like they're at the end of their rope. And it's so often in that place where God loves to meet his people. Easter is a time for the child who's overheard the doctor's diagnosis that his parent has only a few months left to live. Easter is a time for parents who are grieving their wandering, runaway children. Easter is a time for people who wonder where their next paycheck is going to come from, who wonder where their next meal is going to come from. Easter's for people who struggle with the brokenness of life and who realize that we can come just as we are because this is the invitation that God gives to us on Easter Sunday. The past week, I was, uh, my, my family and I were flying out of Denver. We were flying from Denver to Los Angeles, and our flight was at 2.10. Okay? 2.10 was our flight. It was 2.01, nine minutes before the plane was to depart. And all of, us, all of us were situated on the plane. And nine minutes before we take off, my wife Olivia says to me, oh my gosh, you've got to go back to where we were sitting at the gate. I left something. I said, is it important? And she told me what it was. And I said, oh my gosh, you've got to go. So I, I, row 34, I'm running through that tiny aisle in the airplane bumping into 33 rows of elbows and shoulders saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I get to the front and the flight attendant is right about to close the door. And I said, are you going to close the door? Can I run right here to the gate? I left something so important. And she looked at the other flight attendant. She looked back at her and she said, okay, you've got to run. And so I take off as fast as my Now four decades old body can take me running through the tarmac and I run past the United Airlines agent. I run past the gate security. He's like, do you have your boarding pass? And I run to my gate to to, to where we were sitting and I find it. And I pick it up and I make a U-turn and I run back as fast as I can. I, I zoom past the gate agent. I run past the United worker. I fly into the plane. I'm huffing and puffing. All this happens in like 10 seconds. I'm just kidding. All this happens in like a minute and I get back and the flight attendant says, did you get what you... What you went for? And I said, I've got it. I held it in my hand. And then I proceed to take this walk of shame 34 rows back. Everybody's looking at me. What is this guy doing that he held up this plane? What is he doing? What could possibly be so important? And as I walk back, I've got my treasure in my hand. It's not a cell phone. It's not a wallet. It's not a bag. It's my almost two-year-old daughter's beat up broken, tattered, dirty, stinky, fallen apart elephant that she cannot sleep without. And as I'm holding my treasure in my hand, these people are looking at me like, what kind of a fool is this that he would do all that for a $5 little binky? Why? Why? Because as beat up and as broken, as messed up, as ugly, as tattered as that elephant was, it means the world to my daughter. And so I went on a rescue mission, whatever it took, in order to get that back to the one who loved it. The message of Easter morning is that two days ago, no matter how broken, beat up, fearful, questioning, doubting, lost we are, That God sent his son on a rescue mission to save our souls, regardless of whatever condition we're in, because we matter to God. And on Easter morning, the same is true. The same is true. Though we know 2,000 years of history that Jesus rose from the dead, here's my reality and here's yours, that covering up these nice, clean clothes is often for many of us a pool of tears that symbolize the doubts and the fears and the questions that we have. The first invitation of Easter Sunday is that we come as we are. The second invitation that Jesus gives, that Easter gives, is that we come and see. Just come and see. That's it. Do you know in 2006 who the Time Magazine person of the year was? I'll tell you, you all know who it is. 2006, the Time Magazine person of the year was you. (laughs) Did you know that? It was you. In 2006, Time Magazine commemorated all of those people who contributed to user-generated internet sites like YouTube and social media, Wikipedia. And from this 2006 time on, the word viral video entered into the greater lexicon of Americans and people throughout the world. A viral video is simply a video that people watch and they're like, oh my gosh, this is mind-boggling, amazing. And then they see to, say to somebody around them, come and see this life changing video of otters holding hands as they rest on a pool of water. Come and see. Come and see the evolution of dance, where you could go through countless decades of dance in just a matter of minutes. Come and see a boy who was bit by Charlie. And ooh, <laughs> ah, that hurt. Come and see a boy after the dentist who's wondering if this is real life. Come and see. Come and see somebody say, don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me. Come and see. People share these videos because it's so life-changing that they just want people to come and see. The first message, the message of the first Easter is that we would come and see something so much more amazing, so much more life-changing. What is it? These fearful, doubting, wondering, wandering disciples get to the tomb, wondering who's going to remove the stone. How are we going to do it? This impossibility in my life, who's going to do it? It says in verse 4, But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And the wonder of wonders That the stone that represented all of their impossibility, the stone that represented the finality and the death of their dreams, that represented the death of their maker, the death of their friend, the death of all of these things, had been rolled away. And that there was new hope and new life. Though they didn't see it in the moment, hope was beginning to rise because Jesus was not there. Easter is an invitation for you and me to just come and to see to peer into the tomb. Later today, you're going to hear stories from people, three people, who at some point in their lives wondered, how will this stone be moved away from my life, this impossibility in my life? How will this ever be dealt with? Only to wake up one morning in faith and in hope and in belief as they peered into the tomb of their lives to realize that the stone had been rolled away. The God who removed stones in their lives 2,000 years ago is still doing that today. My life is living proof of that. Countless lives in here are living proof that God still is moving stones and he can do that in your life. What's the stone in your life? What's the impossible situation in your life? What's the fear in your life? What's the dead end in your life? For 2,000 years, God has been changing lives. He's been moving stones. He's he's been giving hope. He's been rebirthing dreams. He's been resurrecting hopeless lives. And he's able to do that again today. The disciples didn't have to figure all out who was going to do it. And I think a lot of times we come thinking we've got to have all of the, we've got to know how this is going to happen in order for us to come. But Easter says no. They had no idea. They had no idea. The only thing they needed to do was to come, and they would see. That's Jesus' invitation for you. You don't need to have it all figured out. You don't, know how, you don't, you don't need to know how you're going to go on. You don't need to know how your child is going to be brought back. You don't know how you're going to be able to make it with the loss of this thing in your life. All you need to do is to come and to see. The last invitation that Easter gives to us then. The last invitation is to come receive. I Just come receive. The message that first Easter, when Jesus burst through the tomb, was that death has been defeated. The ultimate stone has been rolled away and that death no longer has a hold on our lives. Guys, if Jesus could remove the ultimate impossibility from life itself, then there's no stone in your life. There's no impossible situation in your life that is too big for him to move. Man, there are countless stories of people who testify to this reality. And if you hang with us in a minute, man, you would hear story after story of lives that are being changed. That's not just somebody else's story. That could be your story. Because I invite you, come as you are, come and see, and then to come receive. Right? This is your life. This is your story. Because deep down in our hearts, you and I know We know in our heart of hearts, we have to believe that there's more to life than what we're living. There's got to be more to life than what we're living. But we have this hunch, we've got this this, this desire, this longing, something within us that says there's got to be more to life. You hear about what happens in Brussels, you're like, that could be me, that could be us at any moment. There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than, than, than making it rich, than striking it rich, than making it famous, and getting big, than having pleasure. What do we do after that? Remember, there's a, a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip I read when I was in college. Calvin and Hobbes are standing in front of a chalkboard, and it says, top 10 things to accomplish in life. Things like, become CEO of a large company. Make a mil- become a millionaire by the time I'm 25. Have the most toys. And then at the end, number 10, it says, die. And as he writes that final E, the E trails off. And Calvin says to Hobbes, he says, that's it? That's it? Maybe some of us are here and we've lived life for all of these things. And we put our head down on our pillow at night and something haunts us. Something that says, that's it? There's got to be more. What Easter is saying is that eternity matters. Easter not only tells us, guys, that there is life after death for Jesus, but it is an invitation to come and see that there can be life after death for you and me also. It doesn't just tell us that you can live forever. It's saying that this has been offered to you to come and to receive. A few months ago, I think it might have been for one of my, my kids' birthdays, but we were hanging out at Chuck E. Cheese, and the announcement came over the loudspeaker that Chuck e. himself was going to be coming out and dancing with the kids, and anyone who wanted to come up and dance with him would get a bunch of tickets for free. And so our kids, Manny and Elijah, were really excited about the fact that Chuck e. was coming out, and so they couldn't wait to come and dance with him so that they might get some tickets. So excited until Chuck e. came out. <laughs> At which point, they decided he's more scary than inviting. And so all these other kids were dancing with him. They were doing all the dances that they do, and they were getting all these tickets. They were laughing. They were so filled with a happiness and with a delight that only Chucky and his tickets could give to them. And so we said, Manny, Elijah, go dance with them. Look what you could have. All this could be yours. Look at, look at how happy they are. But they would not go because they were so firmly fastened to either my leg or Olivia's leg, and they would not go, all the while Chucky inviting them to come and to receive. There's an even greater invitation that Jesus Christ is given to us today to come and to receive. Come and drink from the fountains that promise life and the only thing that promises that does not leave you empty. Jesus says you can come and your life can be changed and you can live forever. To come, receive the glorious invitation of Jesus. My friend told me recently um, about a funeral that he went to for one of his friends. His friend is named Chan. He lived up in San Francisco. He was a pastor. Died at the age of 50 because of severe liver and kidney failure because of a previous lifestyle that he lived. He was, before he became a pastor, before he became a follower of Jesus Christ, he was one of the hardcore gangbangers that his teenage years, early 20s. And at some point in his life, um, the Lord God got a hold of his life. Brokenness, just come. Come as you are. Come and see, and then come receive. So this young man, Chan, gave his life to Jesus Christ, said, I've made a mess out of my life. I can't deal with the fact that I've got all this brokenness, all this pain. And he said, you take it, Jesus. I believe you died for me, and you rose to give me life. That's the good news. And so the Lord began changing his life slowly. He later went into relapse while he was a pastor, went into relapse, had a death wish on his life. His friends picked him up on Skid Row, brought him back. Story of ups and downs, but since he was 20, late 20s, until he was 50, he just committed hardcore to living his life for the Lord God. So my friend was a pastor, a young young pastor, and they they organized a Bay Area retreat uh, for young people. And at that retreat, one of these nights, they gave this invitation to, to, to just come, receive. And the way they did it there, and it was different from the way we'll do it here. From the way we'll do it here, we may just ask you to stay where you are and to raise your hand. But the way they did it there was they invited people to come forward if they wanted to give their lives to Jesus Christ, to have their lives be changed. And so some young people came forward, and one guy in particular came forward, and he just knelt on the ground, and he, he just started bawling, started weeping. And people knew that guy. He was a notorious gangster in the, Southern, in the northern California area. And he was weeping, and because Chan, the pastor, was a former gang member himself, he walked over to him, and he sat down next to him, and he put his arm around him. As soon as he did did that, the guy just started heaving up and down these tears. And he said, I want Jesus in my life. But for me to follow Jesus means I have to leave this old life behind. For me to follow Jesus means that I need to get beat out, jumped out of my gang. One of the hardest gangs in NorCal. For me to, to follow Jesus, there's a cost. I've got to get beat out by these people who I've considered to be my family. And if I want to leave to follow Jesus, they're saying, you're no longer part of the family. And the only way I can leave is if they get around me and they, they beat me out. And so Chan, with his arm around him, said, young brother, said, you know. That I will be right there with you when you get beat out. I will stay there where you are, and I will not leave. You have a new family in the church. I will go with you through that beat out so that you know that I love you, so that you know that the love that I've received from Jesus Christ has changed me And it can change you too. I will go with you through that beat out. And then this is what he said. He said, in fact, I will get beat out for you. I will take your place. My life for yours. My life for yours. Any day, any time, any place. My life for yours. What kind of a love? Is this. What kind of a love is this? My life or yours any place, any time, what kind of a love is this? Where has ever such love been shown in this world? My friends, this is your story and this is my story. That on the cross on Good Friday, Jesus Christ was beat out for you and for me that we who deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. At the cross, Jesus Christ said, My friend, my life for yours. My life for yours. And on the cross, Jesus was beat out not by a thug of gang members, but by all of the wrath of God that deserved to fall upon sinful human beings. He breathed his last and he said, It is finished. They took him off the cross. The body of Jesus Christ was bound and drenched in the tears of those who loved him. On Saturday, Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, took him, and he took his body, and he laid it in his tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah was still, and he was all alone. But on the third day, at the break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ our King. Jesus Christ burst through the tomb. See the stone? It's rolled away. Behold, come and see an empty tomb. This is the power and the hope of Resurrection Sunday. It's not only history. It's not only something that happened. It's not only a holiday, but it's an invitation for you and me to come as you are, broken, hurting, longing, weary, weak, heavy-laden, burdened. Come as you are. Come and see the tomb is empty. Come and see thousands, millions, billions of lives throughout every century and every continent have been changed. And the invitation today is to come and receive. This is his hope for every human heart. Would you pray with me? As we pray together right now, I want to give an invitation much like that invitation that was given some 23 years ago in Northern California. And I don't want to put anyone on the spot or make you feel uncomfortable in this place, but I know that there are many of us here, many of us here, who are broken, who are doubting, who are fearful, who are in need of something in their lives. To know in your heart of hearts, because you know that eternity matters, and you're wondering, what can satisfy the longing of my heart? Jesus says, hey, just come as you are. I know you've got baggage. I know you've got hurt. You don't need to have it all together. But listen, you don't need to iron your clothes before you take it to the dry cleaner. You don't need to clean up your act before you come to me. All you need to do is come. That's it. Just come as you are. I'll meet you where you are. You don't need to figure out, know how it's going to be fixed. I'll do that. I'm God. I move the stones in Maybe you're here saying, this invitation, man, DL, you've been talking to my heart, and I need Jesus in my life to forgive me, to change me, to come into my life, right? Jesus doesn't just fix your life, and he gives you a brand new one, and he invites you to follow him on the way to life eternal. If I can just give us about half a minute right now to think about, yeah, do I need Jesus Christ in my life? Do I need the stone mover, the sin forgiver, the death defeater in my life? And in half a minute, I'm going to say, if you need Jesus, just raise your hand. You don't need to stand. You don't need to come up to the front. Just raise your hand where you are. And all together, we're going to pray a prayer where we can invite Jesus to come and to bring resurrection life into your life and into my life. Guys, today, this is your day. This is your day. God is calling, inviting some of you home. All right, let's think about this half a minute, and then I'm going to give an invitation for us to raise our hand if we feel like I need Jesus in my life. Now, let's pray. Let's search our hearts right now. God has been speaking to your heart. You're saying, yeah, I need Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. For the rest of us, let's just continue to pray with our eyes closed. But if that's you in this place, yeah, you know what, I need Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I'm coming as I am. Coming and seeing. And now I'm coming to receive. If that's you in here, the count of three, can you just raise your hand? Right, this is your moment. This is your time. Right. One, two, three. You raise your hand. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, today the Lord God is going to touch and bring people home. Right there. Saving and praise. Yeah, you can put your hands down praise God for all of us in here and, and you know, maybe you didn't want to raise your hand here, I don't know you on stage it's too personal, that's okay but for all of us in here I'm just going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray it in your heart Lord Jesus, I thank you that you brought me here today I can come no other way but how I am right now, full of fear and doubt and confusion. But I need you. I need the God who died on the cross so that I could be forgiven of all the mistakes and sins I've committed and who rose to life in order that I might live, truly live the way it was meant to be lived. Not only when I die, but here on earth as well. So come into my life. Be my Savior. And be my master. And help me to be the person you want me to be. I love you because you've loved me first. I don't know how, but would you move the stones in my life? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give a round of applause to our God who (laughs) rose from the dead and is changing lives? Praise Jesus. If you made that decision, whether you raise your hand or you made that decision in your heart, I really commend you for doing that. Today is the first day of a new life that you have begun, and God will change you and mold you, and he will not only change you, but he will change the situations in our lives, one or the other, as we walk with him. Um, On the back, on the insert of your bulletin, um, there is a a place where if you're new or if you made any kind of a decision, you can fill that out. I would love to do that, and I will certainly... Take whatever comes in and pray for it and we'll do whatever it takes in order to walk with you, in order that you might experience this beautiful life that Jesus has given to us.